You're listening to Raising Anchor, a Rhode Island FC podcast. We're glad you're here. Hello and welcome to Raising Anchor, your podcast and source for all things Rhode Island FC. I'm your host, Matt Entrican, coming to you on Thursday, February 1st. It's been a different type of week as we don't have a player announcement for the first time in what feels like over 10 weeks, but we've got a lot of technical information to bring to listeners to get them up to date and take a sneak peek at what the club has been working on in preparation for the inaugural match just 42 days away. Plus, we just might have some scrimmage information about a certain club in Connecticut to share. To do that and much more with me always is Jason Carey. Jason, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing all right, buddy. I'm a little conflicted here, though. Conflicted? Um, And we're only 30 seconds in? Yeah. This Lindsay Horan lady. I mean, I think she's right, but I don't know. She's she's saying I'm dumb and I don't know the game. The game, the game of what life? The game of soccer. Oh, the game of soccer. You didn't, you didn't see. She's calling us out. The you're talking about one of the U.S. women's national team captains. Yeah, an article came out uh, earlier today. She's saying American fans are dumb. They oh, don't know the she game. Called okay, all of us dumb because you said she. Yeah. Called, I thought she called you dumb. I mean, I am American. I think. I mean, I'll raise my hand. I'm dumb too. So, like, maybe <laughs> you know, maybe it was a direct conversation. <laughs> What did uh I, I didn't catch all of the article. I think I saw a snippet on one of the subreddits. Uh what was the what was the context behind calling America dumb? Which I don't disagree no, with no, no, necessarily. No, no, no. But... American fans. Oh she's specifically oh, I this was... Yeah, she's calling us soccer fans, saying we're dumb, we don't know the game. Like I, mean, like, she... I know offsides. She's not wrong. <laughs> I think a lot of America understands offsides now after Ted Lasso. Y- yes and no. That's why I'm a little conflicted. Like, on one hand, I've met a lot of, um, you know, maybe they're just new soccer fans. They have, we love to have really bad takes. And, you know, I've been there. We get excited. You know, Pulisic is the greatest player ever in the world. American Messi, right? Yeah. Yeah. We've got the American Messi. So is it dumb from an ignorance of understanding the complexities of this? Like, where I don't know where she came from this. Because, like, I think of what you just said and in the future to come we're going to speculate we're going to hypothecate we're going to make really bad hot takes about the game and about the outcomes so oh yeah are we pre-calling our dumbness and isn't this why we started the podcast so we can tell everyone our dumb takes <laughs> we can just we can drown out the smarter takes and just give up the hot dumb takes but don't you, you as a soccer player wouldn't you want more people to get into the game and to call all of your fans dumb that they don't know the game that's I don't know. Maybe not a smart thing to do. <laughs> I mean, so I, I I did read parts. It was the one in the athletic, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did read parts of that. I in between some work today, and I I think, and it it will never translate well, especially in broadcast or excuse me, non broadcast journalism. Like if it went to paper or to print, the the context and like the inflection of how she probably said it, it just did not get captured. I bet no matter how great the reporting was, but I will say. I've seen this not necessarily in the women's game, but I've seen it in all levels of soccer in this country where, unfortunately, the people, the pundits in positions to influence typically can start transforming for good or for bad the narrative of the game. I remember during the Women's World Cup, you know, you can 
you can feel how you want it about their exit or their performance overall. But then Carly Lloyd and uh, Alexi Lawless went on and suddenly they became like these super critics of the performance. They were, you know, they were very harsh and maybe less analytical. I, I don't I don't say that they're wrong because, you know, the women didn't win. They didn't take home the 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 hardware. But I I do find it really interesting that sometimes we acclimate or even gravitate towards one person's opinion. Like what Taylor Twellman says, it matters. And I'll even go further. When we were talking about the Derby last week, there's a lot of right of there's a lot of right and wrong on both sides about the supporters group and what they want to weigh in on and what the fans should naturally make it become. But I said this cautiously either on the discord or maybe even on Twitter. I don't remember, but if the likes of Devin Kerr starts using a name, there's a 90% chance that that becomes the name and overrides any organic soccer want from the community, because that's the power that those types of individuals have. And for those of you like, who's Devin Kerr, I sometimes have to remember our fans haven't maybe watched a game yet. Devin Kerr is the Taylor Twellman of the USL. And I highly encourage you follow him on all of his social media. He has a weekly show. He does some of the bigger broadcasts. Um, he's he's really he's a really great guy. But if he decides all of a sudden he wanted, you know, the Clambake Cup, it could really become the Clambake Cup. So I don't <laughs> disagree with that take. And I think that Americans probably need to do a little bit more education. And and also too, like think about it this way. Like, look at the pro rail conversation that we continue to have. Here, we're not even willing to understand the dynamics at a general level of what that could mean, truly mean for communities in those secondary and tertiary markets, because we're not willing to open up and learn what the sport is and what it can become. Instead, we take what we already know, which is, you know, the NFL, MLB, and like, well, why can't we just make our sport work and behave like that? So in a lot of ways, I don't think she was wrong. But to your point, I'm sure there's going to be some nasty ramifications and some consequences that come from those uh, those statements. Because she plays in she plays in France, doesn't she? She's like one of the few Americans that don't play in the NSWL uh, or NWSL. I'm, admittedly, I, I haven't wrong. followed her career. I think she was at Portland Thorns at some point, but maybe yeah, maybe she's not there anymore. And that's actually a good point to bring up. Um, I think we may have mentioned it, but. The part of the reason why, I mean, they were kind of shocked that the U.S. didn't do so well this time, but it's because a lot of our, um, a lot of our fans, and probably some of our pundits and people in places of power who like mouthpieces of U.S. soccer, I don't think they're always paying a lot of attention to what's going else around the world. Like this is a global game, so the women's game in Europe has been growing for quite some time now, and they're getting really good. So all of a sudden, you know, maybe the U.S. is is not as strong as we we used to be. In the in the similar sense, a lot of these people they don't realize what's going on everywhere else. Just like you had mentioned, you know, they don't they don't know what for a full um, promotion relegation system entails and how beneficial and exciting that can be. You know, I was about to make a really funny joke about how that's that's the way. I guess I could still use it. That's that is soccer in a nutshell, right? Like there are no dynasty teams, there are no dynasty nations in terms of continuous championships, right? Like they come and go, they ebb and flow. And I was going to make a Bayern Munich joke, but like even they for some reason this year like Harry Kane goes and joins and like suddenly they they may not I mean they probably will fix it by the end of the the season, but 
it's not like as for sure as it may have been. And even last year, they almost lost it to what um, Leverkusen. No, no, that's who they're Dort- losing it to. Dortmund. Dortmund almost. They. I think if Dortmund would have just won their last game, they would have won. The right. Title. So, so, so dynasties aren't built to last, and it would have probably been very egotistical for America to think that they would continue to win an additional like five down the road. So I, I, I agree with you that they probably weren't looking in their rearview mirror to understand what was coming up on their left lane, so to speak. But at the same time, the game, you have to face that downturn era, that downturn generation to, to try to revamp the system. Like Otherwise, you don't, you stop improving, right? Like if you think you're the best and you have no competition, what does that do to your psyche as in anything, like beyond sports, right? Like you just, okay, I, I, you rest on your laurels, you get comfortable, and then you get caught unaware and and you find out right like i look at the men's national team and they call that generation between 20 like the 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 rookies of 2012 through 2018 they call it the lost generation because they didn't get the minutes they didn't get the reps and they just fell off so i'm i'm not surprised like if if the women's team doesn't do well over the next two world cups and it's a cycle where they need to kind of look back and reconstruct or re-engineer at the at the youth level which I'm really excited about, by the way, to talk about um, some of the youth learnings we had tonight from the club. I, it just those things don't shock me. I wonder if um, they'll have to start if more U.S. women's soccer players will have to start thinking about going abroad to get the like better competition to make sure that they like up their level. You know? Yeah, I mean, it'll also depend on the the interleague too, right? Like, where what is its evolution? I know they've been fighting hard for player rights for equity and markets where they can continue to grow the brand but what does that mean for talent like it's not something i follow enough to be dangerous on but you're 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 right like it is a is a period of monitoring and watching as we continue down the the decade of what is the most important soccer in this in this country's history so didn't expect to talk you i think we always joke that it's not an mls podcast definitely didn't uh pull out the hashtag not a ussf podcast but um but yeah no that was that's a really good point about that article you know we like to dabble in uh all things soccer but uh let's uh shift it over to some rafc news here what do we got up here kind of just to hit some quick points we did learn a little bit more about the nesson deal the club is in final i don't want to say negotiations because it's not like it's something either side can back out of but it's more just establishing the ground rules of what to expect this season for uh, for fans and for participants but we did learn a couple of really interesting things about it so one when we announced on the last episode about the schedule broadcast and how that lines up against mls priority and some of the other kind of things that may make it a more interesting choice for fans to use their time uh, of where to attend public you know or live sporting events we learned that maybe a little bit of that influence where we thought it was the league or it was bryant it actually might be coming more directly from nesson itself there is some conversation and some noise that as we've tried to understand how the games will take prioritization on both their main channel for distribution and as well as their you know their plus streaming service it's obviously kind of like a choose your own path but especially though for those main tv rights they had to be really selective on where it didn't compete with the other sports that are already on the on the on the network, right? So, how do you avoid baseball games? How do you avoid hockey games? You know, if you think about the sports that run congruent, football is actually the easiest one to avoid because they're basically opposite cycles, right? You don't really see them again until September, but 
NFL is like the one sport you don't really have to you don't see on Nesson because of the way its contract deals work with other like larger providers. So we are very much in the the range of of broadcast competition with those other sports. And so a lot of this was strategic to make sure that Rhode Island FC got its prioritization to be shown in those places that we've talked about on other episodes about seeing it in bars, seeing it in homes on 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 cable sets, you know. So hearing that, and it wasn't every game, I want to make sure we don't go like, oh, so I have to attend a bunch of seven o'clock games because of that. And and now that I've heard that, I, I really will be wanting to see how that shows up for the actual, like when we turn on the station, will we see a Rhode Island FC game? And, you know, that'll be hard to also test because we'll probably be at the events. So more to come on that, but that was definitely one of the big drivers. And then the other thing that is making it challenging and why we haven't seen additional details out is the club is ready to finalize all of their agreements with Nesson. But the problem is the league. The league still hasn't announced this other vendor that's going to quote unquote distribute the other 300 games. And there's some complications there because without understanding what broadcasts they have rights to, what they might not. So for example, with the public televised games on CBS Prime, we know the playoffs. We are assuming it's the games that are highlighted, like the derbies, maybe a Phoenix Rising game or, or the game against Birmingham Legion for coach. But but we don't know anything. And until then, Nesson has to figure out which ones they're contracted and permission to do versus which ones they would be required. So they can't finalize and put pen to paper on anything until they know the USL deal, which is problematic for fans because they want to start making sure that they have subscriptions ready to go. So I think a lot of dominoes are going to fall into place over the next two to three weeks as we get really dangerously close to uh, to the first game. But that's that's what's holding it up right now is it's this it's this contract obligation from the from the league on where we'll see the new the new vendor. It's crazy to think how close we are to the season and they don't have this all locked down. That's that's madness. Well, I mean, too, if you think about it this way, I don't know many clubs that have to deal with this problem, right? Like not many clubs have unless it's publicly funded NPR-esque or public station broadcast support. Every other club for the most part is relying on CBS Galazzo and this to be named other partner, right? So it's really hard. Like we've made our own problem in a good way with having this additional partner being thrown into the broadcast mix and we'll have to understand if this hurts or helps. I, I I think it will help no matter what people are saying that, you know, that twenty four twenty nine ninety nine is a expensive price tag. We just don't know enough yet to make a final decision. But any eyes on the club right now in year one are more important than whatever it would take away, in my opinion. Yeah, I know there are other regional sports channels. I wonder if any other clubs in the USL have any history of doing this or have any actual current contracts to uh, distribute some of their games on those uh, like local channels. Well, if the league owns the main rights, it must be just a nightmare to work through those requirements, right? Because we saw that with MLS where every every other club, you know, Revolution used to have Nesson as a partnership at a, at a much prior date. They all had these different programmings and MLS couldn't get their hands on a centralized piece until they said, hey, all, all of your contracts end on this date. And then, of course, the rest is history by going to Apple. Whether you love it or hate it, that's what's happened and transformed that league. So the Apple deal is nice in terms of allowing all the games just in one place. But 
I don't know. Sometimes people do enjoy some of these, uh, the regional vendors. They do, they occasionally will, will like take more interest in your actual team. Sometimes the local broadcasts are a little more interested, a little more knowledgeable about the team, like the history and whatnot, as opposed to that, you know, that one guy who's very general and has knowledge of the league, but maybe not so much of the in- intricacies of your own team and region. And when you get a local broadcaster who cares, who can, give you the color commentary and the play-by-play and they really know the players they don't they don't have to practice a memorization of sheet of how to pronounce their names before the broadcast (laughs) that's when you know you've got something a lot a lot more important than you know the insert taylor twelman i don't know why i'm picking on him tonight he's he's not (laughs) like he's a perfectly fine person um but insert you know that person who's got just enough to speak to the club speak to the history speak to the rivalry whatever but doesn't know the new starting right back. And, you know, it, it's just those kinds of things. So, but we have, we have a ton more things. And it, can I just say, I know I said it in the intro, it's really weird to not have players to talk about. We have built so much of the identity over the last, I don't know, 10 to 12 episodes around player signings, player rumors, player speculations. And, you know, we know there's a couple more coming, but we are in no position yet to even start to share that. And so it's just it's just really weird to not talk about players on an episode with you. It is crazy to think that some of our early episodes, we had little to nothing to go on, and we would just talk for almost like two hours. <laughs> someone on Twitter said the nicest thing about us. So someone was asking, like, what soccer podcast should I be listening to? And this person said, uh, these two dudes are talking about a, a team They've been talking about a team for, you know, seven months, eight months, and they haven't even played a game yet. And they're putting out (laughs) content every week. Like there are other podcasts. There are other groups that don't even do that when they have like a double header in a week. So I I thought that was really nice. Big shout out to um, to that fan. Appreciated it. Yeah. Always appreciate uh, hearing people enjoying it. So we got some more news here. If you've been living under a rock and don't check emails, you know, like typical U.S. soccer fans. I don't I don't I think I have don't laugh at me my the podcast email squeaky clean my personal 20 20 000 unread oh my god <laughs> it's a problem it's, it's such a, it would take me a week to clean out i have that ocd where i just i have to clear them out you know if, if i'm not gonna read it or something just delete it <laughs> back to tickets though <laughs> So uh, early purchase links have been made available to both season ticket members and friends and family ahead of the general public. Tickets have already been downloaded to your SeatGeek accounts, so you should probably log in, make sure you have those loaded in. If Wait, not, like they're already loaded, loaded? Like we can log in and... Locked and loaded, buddy. I did check. I didn't realize we were section Q, and it sounds really bad, but that was where I wanted to sit. So like... I've always judged, you know, you go to an event like, oh man, I'm in the back half of the alphabet there. I don't feel bad, but I didn't expect. So we're, for anyone who wants to track us down when we get there, we're, we're, we're Q boys. Have you seen that uh, YouTube video of Captain Picard singing All I Want for Christmas is Q? Uh, yes, I have. It's fantastic. Classic. <laughs> but uh, yes, you should log in, double check, make sure those are loaded. If not, reach out to the appropriate uh, channels so you can get that taken care of. General public tickets will be going on sale within the next week. And from what the club has said, and from what we keep telling you guys, there's not a lot of tickets available. And this is not just the big games. It's like all of them. So 
you know, you should get on that if you have not already. The club has hinted the best way at this time is to secure tickets. Still remains a flex plan. Yeah, so by the time General Public comes up, and from what we've heard... There's going to be like two left. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I don't know about two. I, I've been waiting for them to hit the sellout like button so then they because i know that they just want to scream as loud as they can that they've they've accomplished that feat i know it i know they're close but i also know that like if push comes to shove and you can't get access to those single tickets just go buy the six game flex like we've had a lot of new people on the discord a lot of new people in the community reach out and say hey i didn't want to miss those big games and so i'm going to those two i'm going to try to make the other four i picked what i thought was right maybe they give it to friends who knows? You know, I, I know it's difficult to make it to every single game of the year unless you're freaks like us, but it's one of those things that you, you just don't want to miss out on the big moments. Yeah, and it's better at this point, honestly, to buy them through the club. If you guys haven't tried to buy tickets to like a concert or anything in the last few years, the experience is honestly horrible. You've got so many resellers out there trying to upcharge the crap out of you, so... If you're on the fence, I would say just go ahead and do it or else you're going to pay like, you know, probably hundreds of dollars to try and get like a last minute ticket, you know? Should we, is this how we fund the pod? We sell our extra tickets Ooh. <laughs> for just enormous amounts of money. There we go. Get the get the privilege of sitting next to us <laughs> and paying for our servers for a year. <laughs> there you go. Oh, so I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get too into the weeds but we know there will be times where you know we have a couple extra tickets so we will be doing some sort of promotion or 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 giveaway for those times where you guys and gals will be able to secure them and then we are working with the club to to be able to offer some additional events and packages that is very early and i'm sure as they listen you know the director of ticketing brian kim's like i haven't talked to you yet Brian, we'll have a conversation, and I know we're we're going to be trying to get you on the show real soon, so you can give listeners the uh, the heads up on like what's really going to be coming through as far as ticketed events and uh, experiences. So I uh, look forward to that coming up uh, in the near future. But yeah, really exciting stuff ahead. So last week we uh, sat in on. I mean, didn't sit in, but <laughs> I mean, I was sitting. We we listened to a. Um... A little bright Louie talked to uh, some youth academy staff and coaching and whatnot, right? It was so weird. Uh, we we got this invite about uh, the youth academies, all youth soccer programs, any Rhode Island soccer coach that, that helps at any level at the youth game. Uh, we, we got this invite and I thought it was a, hey, FYI, this is coming, like put this in the event channel and so i but then i realized i got like the link and i i wrote back to the club i'm like am i is, am i allowed to be because i would have there's a part of me that's like oh, i'm just gonna show up to this and we're gonna get the <laughs> you know the the secret the see i was gonna do a different name everything you know my name was gonna be like eduardo mustachio and anyways <laughs> anyways they they were like no yeah we gave it to you because we want you there like oh okay cool, 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 cool real cool. quick too do you do you think they they purposely schedule it when we usually record? <laughs> yeah, and so then I was like, "Cool, we're in." And then I looked, and I was like, "Oh, this is at the time we we hit the mic." So I don't know. That's a really good point, Jason. <laughs> I I wouldn't be surprised. Although I will say, and 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 we'll talk about this a little later. There's some new additions to the staff, and they have been super, uh, incredibly kind on working with us to to kind of augment what we want to do with the show. So. I don't think that is the case, but the convenience is very suspicious, right? <laughs> never, never, uh, never 
doubt a coincidence, right? So, but yeah, so we were able to sit down and just listen uh, in on this really, really important and informative call. And we had some, we had some takeaways, but to set the, you know, to paint the picture and make it a more complete scene, we noticed that there was a lot of the main organizations uh, represented throughout uh, soccer in Rhode Island that showed up. And then there was, you know, a, a smattering of, of other coaches. You know, I don't know those names. I think one of the things we're going to need to do to elevate our own knowledge uh, of of soccer in the state is really get more deep in the weeds with those youth academies because I'd love to understand more of the movers and the shakers and, and the players to be. But uh, there were some really key, really important key details that kind of came out of that that I know the, the diehard listeners would love to hear about. So first and foremost, you know, there was a lot of conversation during the meeting about like what will the youth effort look like over this year over the next few years and the club was not shy about you know saying what they needed to say about it the first thing that they mentioned was that any academy setup any partnership with the local community when it comes to youth development um, would materialize as a three-year plan so right now and i think we've seen this in the roster development and, and the, the build is they are focused first and foremost on competing and showcasing an exciting talent on the field, which is heavily rooted in USL veterans, very few collegiate players. And it looks like to bring those along the, for the ride, like that's a, that's a three year minimum plan. And, and the, you know, and Brett Louie and, and coach Kano were, were very adamant that anything that does materialize in this space will be in heavy conjunction with the USL Academy standards and their programming. And that's not something that I'm even really familiar with yet. You know, I've, I've heard of that, but I don't know any of the inner workings of the USL Academy. They didn't outright say that they weren't going to have a quote unquote Rhode Island FC Academy in that call, even though it was kind of asked. That doesn't mean though, that they are interested in pursuing that. I think, and we've asked, you guys have heard in different interviews that they are intent to support youth, but not if it doesn't make sense for what the club's purposes are. Um, one of the questions that got asked by some of the youth coaches was like, what does the road to collegiate support look like for these players? And the club came out and said, we're, we're developing professionals. We're, we're not developing people that can then get rides or sponsorships to go and, and go to college. Like, those two things are very, very much separated, right or wrong. Like it's not the club's responsibility to make sure someone gets an education. It's the club's responsibility that to define, develop, and um, build talent that they can then bring in and offer a, a substantial professional contract to a player who then could take that and move on somewhere else. So those were kind of really interesting moments that um, were separating between the youth academy questions and and what the club was willing to start coming forward with some of our listeners i imagine know this because they they watch other leagues but everywhere else in the world there isn't like this college type of system that we are like really big on here in the u.s you have like these academies that start developing kids you know in 10 11 12 sometimes even earlier and the goal is always for them to go straight into teams not to go into a college so when we've talked about in the past some of the differences between um MLS is starting to shy away from this but you know there was the the, the whatever crazy draft thing they had where they're getting college talent but USL looks like it's That's how like, we got Jackson Lee. Yeah, but it, it's it's not as big of a thing. It it 
it's starting to transition more to the European style where it's you have these academies and the idea is, no, if you're ready, you just go straight into the team. You don't go to college if that's not what what's in the cards for you. Right. And I think, too, you have to understand we don't have the, the pockets that MLS has. So if MLS is bringing someone along for the ride and they're, you know, it, it's such a weird thing, too. But like I look at youth as U17 and under i i know that's not how the game is played and i know we've seen mls next pro teams have 28 year olds on the club but when i think about like the responsibilities it's like grow this man grow this young boy into a man demonstrate that he has the capa- uh, the capabilities to play at the professional level even even if it's division two or it's an early level and then see where they can help his professional career grow if he has those skill sets decides that he can't get involved in a senior team somewhere or get the minutes to be a contender for a a long professional career at 17 18 take that skill set and i'm sure every division one college uh all the way through d3 schools would want someone like that in some sort of partial scholarship again we're now talking completely in the realm of things we're not prepared to or or know (laughs) confidently but i just thought it was an interesting piece that the club is club first They'll do everything they can to support any players that are local to to build, but they're you know it, it was it was a really fascinating conversation. It's interesting to see uh, what their kind of goals are, and especially they talked about they're not one hundred percent sure if they're really going to have a, an academy. So it makes sense for them to get involved um, in the the local teams, and then I imagine you know take stock in a few years and see where they're at if they do need to invest more into like their own development as opposed to partnering with like local teams. And and that was the other segment to it. Like to be really clear, they are investing heavily in the youth programs, whether that's in the way of having um, kids and young players come to the club to be a part of special events for themselves to help mentor like like it's not we only want your best of best and we're not putting an academy together so bye it's it's just that there's the the brick and mortar aspect of an academy it's just not on the horizon just yet and seeing that they're still completely invested in the talent and and again for those of you that know Michael Parker's story like that's his that's his success story he as an owner is not going to not pursue some capacity of investing in these youths um it's just it's just it's really difficult to kind of explain more except for the fact that the club knows what they want they were very polite and they were very firm on what they would and would not be doing in these first 3 years as they assess kind of the state of the club and seeing what that would look like and again if it if it does develop into anything in a more structured path it will definitely be with the full effort and support of the USL Academy but to move on the 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 tidbits that I want to jump into because it was fascinating to hear uh, all of the coaching staff kind of share these things, was Kano let two things out that I thought were very, very impactful uh, for the for the benefit of the of the club itself and, and the, the season ahead. One is, you know, when he was trying to explain what he brings to the club and, and he was very humble in it, you know, he also mentioned the staff and, and the many different walks of life that his entire staff comes from, some hyper-local, some not so much. But what I didn't realize is he went on a he went on an interesting piece of dialogue about Coach Spratt, which is the goalkeeper coach, and said that a lot of USL clubs don't actually have goalkeeper coaches, whether due to budget constraints or to because they in, choose to invest those resources differently. 
that's not a common thing. Now, I'm, I'm taking Coach at his word here. I've not gone and investigated any of that yet. But the fact that he recognized that that was a, that was a position, a technical position of need, and he went out and grabbed Philadelphia Union's coach at the time for that, like, I, I think that's fantastic. I, I didn't realize that we're setting ourselves up for a higher level of excellence by having that kind of member on the team. On top of that, they go out and get one of USL's best goalkeepers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, we joke about it, but I, th- I think we said it early, early in this, in these recordings, but Andre Blake is one of the top three goalkeepers in the MLS. And if, if Spratt had anything to do with that, that man's development in any way, shape or form, like we've just, I keep saying this like a broken record. I'll continue to say it, but we just continue and have always made these just incredible pickup moves. Um, but then in, on top of that pickup, the other thing that I thought was really a great piece of, of information to drop was that that coach has hired a video analyst. And we've we've heard in every league that one of the most important things is analytics. Uh, sporting, sporting analytics and performance analytics are what make or break how a club shapes themselves and how they prepare for the next opponent. The best clubs have the best analytics and the clubs that don't do so well, it's not just because they have you know, poor talent on the field. It's because they don't have depth in their analytics divisions. And so, you know, I remember when we talked to John Morrissey, when from USL, from the USL show, USL tactics, depending on how you like to associate him, he had mentioned he had been doing analytic work as an intern for some of these clubs that couldn't afford them. And, you know, we said, like, why aren't you doing this as like a full time thing? And, you know, he, he had said at the time he enjoyed what he was doing more. But, if there are clubs out there that can only afford to do it at an intern level and we've gone and hired, you know, and I think we took one from either another club or we like, we really went out and did, you know, the, the due diligence on picking up a, like a really good professional for this. I can't imagine how that positions us from a performance perspective, uh, not just against like our Eastern rivals, but just in the league itself. Like how is that not a standard uh, amongst clubs at this point in this, this technology and day and age? Part of it might be, uh, We've talked about it in the past, but there are some USL owners who are maybe just in quick cash grabs kind of situation where the ownership of RFC really seems like they're setting this team up to be the gold standard and like to hit the ground running and be excellent in like every category as opposed to just saying, well, here's a market that people probably will watch our soccer team and we'll, you know, buy a few flashy players and then just milk milk that you know hopefully sell some jerseys and make some money and then maybe sell it in you know five or ten years for twice as much as we put into it people have told me that owners of sporting franchises need to compare them to the ownership of a boat you your two happiest days especially when it comes to money are the day you buy it and the day you sell it because until you sell your sporting club it's worth nothing it's just a loss line and then you you know you you sell it off for whatever its evaluation is and that's where you recoup your your dollars but to to wrap things up on the youth side so it was it was really productive conversation um brian kim who we mentioned earlier came on and kind of talked through what the ticketing strategy would be to host large scale events for having kids come out like what would it look like for them to play during um during halftime Uh, a whole bunch of different stuff so that was really exciting um, I can't wait to see how that materializes outside of the youth programs in case that's like if a parent just wants their kids to show up. We kind of touched base on that with the uh, RFC Kids Club, which 
I didn't say it at the time. Didn't even realize it until I saw the social post for it. Did you see how it said terrific? And it's like Terry R-I-F-C. That's the that's the greatest association <laughs> no, for this I club ever. That. <laughs> oh, loved it. It was fan- it was it was fantastic. Uh, so they were really excited about how kids would be able to participate in the programs. There was a lot of conversation about mentorship and shadowing, uh, which the club was aligned to, and they definitely wanted to help support uh, to help build confidence, build awareness, build soccer IQ and acumen at that level. And then they asked some really interesting questions that I guess I just didn't understand are how things work at a club, specifically around exclusive events, like fundraising events, you know, dinner events, party events, where, you know, again, the the winning club of insert divisional level of youth youth soccer in Rhode Island gets to have a I don't know like a, a sit down dinner with five of the players or or the entire club comes out for an important fundraising campaign to fund soccer at the youth level for you know the next twelve months so those were things that they asked because they've done those with other clubs in New England and uh, and the and the club was very open to to taking that feedback and seeing what they could make happen so. All in all, I think it was a highly productive conversation. It seems like the the coaches of the area are really excited about what RFC is going to bring on board. And I think it's really going to be one of those slow plays where we learn and watch what happens over the next three years to to understand what materializes in year one, years two, and, and then, of course, years three. So really excited to see what happens from there. But we got to move on. We've got so much more to cover and I thought this was going to be a, I thought this was going to be a fast podcast today. So, um, so we got we got to talk about these jobs. Uh, jobs come and jobs go. Did you know that? Really? They just you know that's <laughs> that's what it is. So I want to start off because we didn't cover it, but then I got asked by someone, and I figured we may as well just address it. So there was a, and I will never say their name ever again, but there was a hit piece from your favorite um, uh, shoddy journalism around the corner on the club and it wasn't related to the stadium but it was related to the fact that chief financial officer uh vicky lynch had departed the club and the article went on to spin a bunch of doom and gloom that if vicky was leaving it must be you know that the the ship is sinking and that this is everyone needs to abandon ship and it was just it was so it was it was i I went to school for journalism and it was one of the most poorly constructed articles I've ever I've ever seen. They accused it because Vicky didn't say thank you to the ownership group. But when you look <laughs> in the post, she literally lists every executive and operations and technical member of the entire staff. So she thanked like 13 people, but she didn't thank two owners. And it's like, you really don't think <laughs> Vicky Lynch thanked Brett Johnson and Michael Parkhurst and all of the other owners that you don't know about? You really think that didn't happen before this decision was announced? Like, come on. So it was just, it was really bad, really, really bad journalism. But what we can tell you is, is that we know that she moved to a different opportunity and we weren't worried about it at the time because it's, it wasn't really a problem for the club. The, the club has, when you think about what that person's responsibility was at the, at the buildup or the starting stages, Vicky got 95%, I would say maybe 90% if I had to be super cynical. Vicky got 90% of the the roles and responsibilities that she needed to get done across the finish line, right? The only one that's left, and it's we don't know that it's not done. We just know it hasn't been announced. But the only major partner left that has to really have a significant impact on the dollars coming into the organization is the Tidewater Landing 
sponsor, right? Like what's going to be the naming rights for the stadium? Because that's probably some of the largest dollars that come in for the club. After that, everything at this point, at least from a checks and balances and keeping the books in the black, that's all going to come from ticket sales. That's all going to come from the merch sales. That's all going to come from the day of event experience sales, right? That's, that's, I mean, Vicky would have overseen that had she remained, but those are other people that are being set up in the organization to deliver on that excellence. So it's, it's, don't get me wrong, they're going to have to hire another person because it's important that you have that. But this idea that like Vicky has left and we all need to to wake up, it, it's just, it's ridiculous. And I'll, I'll even say, and, and it's a shame because I don't even think you've heard it yet, but one of our pre-recorded interviews for the holidays was actually Vicky. And she was talking about the signing of Breeze as the the sponsor of choice uh, for the club, for the kits. Uh, and we had we had an hour we had an hour long conversation uh, about her roles and responsibilities and and what she had done for the club already. But what I didn't know is she has been living soccer, specifically U.S. soccer, since like 1995. Like she's she's had conversations with Sir Alex Ferguson. I mean, like that that that's how entrenched entrenched vicky was in the sport of soccer so i always knew she was a good pickup for the club i didn't realize the magnitude of that pickup and so wherever vicky is landing next it's going to be amplified because if she was already in this position here whatever she's found like we wish her nothing but success and all the best in wherever she's landed but by no means was it her running away from from a job in in rhode island like that's just ridiculous yeah, I actually saw that that article, and I just I saw who posted it. I'm like, I'm not even gonna open this link. I'm not gonna give them the five cents ad revenue or whatever they get because they know it's just gonna be trash. You ha- I have to, I have to though. I have to know what my enemy is saying. I have to understand what they're trying to attempt so that if someone comes to me, I'm not speaking from a position of you know inf- un- misinformation or ignorance. So. You're you're a better. I'm gonna make you read those. I'm gonna I'm gonna trick you. We're like, oh, check out this I'm, new. I'm just gonna use some sort of um some proxy or something to say I'm in some country where they don't get out of here, so it doesn't work for them. Uh, so so with one person leaving, you know, there is someone also quiet, silent pickup for the club, and he's probably gonna he's gonna ream us for this. I bet you he doesn't want to be in the spotlight at all. But uh the club also hired a communications director. Previously there was a consulting group that had been working through a lot of the requests and requirements, but they weren't gonna be on. They weren't gonna be able to sustain once the club actually started its its regular season. So the club did what the club does best and made an incredible hire in picking up Thomas Coughlin, and if you see his name, don't call him Coughlin. He, that was the first conversation we had, you know. But Thomas Coughlin actually comes from the San Diego Loyal, where he was the communications director for that club. So I think that's a really great pickup. One, we now have someone who has a ton of experience in the league. I think when you think marketing, there was no one better than the Loyal when it comes to communications and approaches on how to 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 kind of elevate the club's presence within and without the or outside of the league and then on top of that it's just kind of a nice story because you were talking early on when we were we were you know saying goodbye to that club one of the first things you continued to call out was i wonder what this will do to impact the you know the family or the support staff of the club you know we we have coke we have grant but we have additional loyal family joining now and there's a lot of loyal people following us by the way they've kind of like like attached as surrogates like we're living 
we're living on in Rhode Island FC, and that's been a, that's been a lot of that's been a treat actually to uh, to enjoy so far. So this is just just a really really great signing. It's great to see that uh, a lot of the people from that club have found positions elsewhere in the league. Like we mentioned, you know, no one wants to see a club fold. One of the worst parts is that a lot of people behind the scenes, you know, also lost their job. Speaking of other jobs, and this is just to kind of wrap up the the segment here, but I was just doing some research for something completely unrelated, and I ended up seeing Rhode Island FC posted a bunch of jobs, like a bunch, a bunch of jobs, everything from staff accountant to merchandise manager roles on RhodeIslandFC.com. Uh, but then they have these other ones. They have a partnership management role, which is like, it looks like a corporate VIP account rep. Um, they have a graphic design request. They have digital media manager. Uh, they have street team roles open again. I know that they've been looking at bringing on some interns uh, for the year, like operationally. So if you're looking for a job uh, and you have those skill sets and you want to be a part of something really great, they they did a... They did a video today with um, one of the orthopedic guys, and he's like, yeah, I'm I'm like the head physician for the club, but I'm also one of the biggest fans. I, those, those, are really, those are really cool stories. So check those out. And then, but here's the fun one. I was doing some research on the league, and I went to their careers page because I was looking for communication director roles just to try to start building some bridges for future press requests in other teams. I saw their career page. They have a position in the league called Match Observer and specifically dedicated to all Rhode Island FC games. There's a, it's like a hundred dollar per diem payment. So you go to the game and I thought it was just like, wow, I'm going to get paid to, to watch Rhode Island FC. Like I'm already going to be there. Like let, pay me, you know, let, let's do this. And then I read through the job description and it's almost like it's a compliance officer or like an auditor of not just the performance of the team, but are they in compliance with the laws and, and and regulations of the league? Like, was it done in a safe operation perspective? Were there any complaints? Were there any injuries inside or outside the club? Uh, so it looks like it's a little bit more technical for the quote-unquote 90 minutes. Maybe it's probably like plus or minus an hour that you have to be there. So it may take some of the joy out of, of watching soccer. But I, th- I saw that job and it's like, oh, people all the time say like, how do I get paid to, you know, be involved in the sport? Well, Go be a match observer for Rhode Island FC and apply it at uslchampionship.com. Uh, yeah, I looked at that one too. And so yeah, that $100 is like a, a stipend to, I don't know, buy a bunch of hot wieners all the way. And there's an actual salary associated with the job too. Are you sure? I didn't see that. That's, I, I mean, you know, the internet can be wrong, but a little bit of Googling and that's what I found. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't sound that like, for one day a week and maybe some meetings in between. I don't know that that's like a full time salary, but I would, but it that's tantalizing to to say the least. But then to be that guy and be like, hmm, this field is two centimeters too short. I'm gonna report this to the USL. <laughs> you know, you 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 laugh, but that's exactly what happened to OKC Energy. Oh no, I I know it's it's their their field was too short, <laughs> and they couldn't play anymore on the regulation size USL requirement, and that's quote unquote why they're not in the league right now. That's funny. I mean, have you seen NYCFC's field? <laughs> the, the postage stamp. You know, their new field is coming along nicely, though. They're building it right next to the um, the Met Stadium. Yeah, but that's one of those jobs that's important, and I'm glad someone does it. But the more you read it, yeah, you look at that and you're like, this is not, this is not fun. They'd take all of the joy out of 
you know, the game. I'm going to give you a story time. I was looking for a side hustle before I got addicted to podcasting. <laughs> and uh, I almost picked up a job with uh, IMG Arena, which does all of the data analytics for a lot of sports betting platforms. And I, I actually got the job with the revolution to sit there and watch games where you just you just push certain buttons on this dumbed down iPad and like who has possession was there a, a credit like was there a final third pass was there just a normal pass was there a shot like was it an xg shot like that kind of stuff and i i did all the training completely for free and then i had a handler the whole company's based in switzerland because that's where you go to evade tax it's perfect for sports betting <laughs> and every one of my handlers was just this broken english and then it went from avoiding phone calls because of the time zone to emails all of the emails were misspelled and we got to this point where like they wanted my social security number and I kept calling them because I wanted to confirm something and even their website was so poorly built that it just everything felt like a scam and I said unless you deliver my iPad and my credentials first so that I know that I'm not going to be like my entire life is going to be stolen I'm not giving you this stuff and they said well we can't pay you for the training you took as well as set you up to be, you know, your per diem for the games until then. And I said, again, you're not calling me. I don't even know who my immediate supervisor would be. I want, I want contact. I want human connection here. And they said, so are you going to do this or not? And I, I just, I ghosted him. I could have, I could have <laughs> been the best uh, analytics person for three years running if I if I just stuck to it. Hopefully they didn't screw them over because I don't know how many people they actually hired for that. I feel like you only need one, maybe two, in case like for redundancy purposes. But we were we were deep in, like we were like two weeks away from the season starting for the Revs, and uh, yeah, I just I didn't do it. So fun sto fun story time there. So what you're saying is all of the uh, like the data keeping for uh, sports is just like unpaid interns where they steal your identity. <laughs> so first of all, I was going to get paid, I think. Second of you all, <laughs> second of all, yes. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a little bit more complexity. I'm sure, because like, I'm sure someone can sit there from a TV screen somewhere centrally and do it. The reason that they said in the training that you had to be there was because if there was a power outage or some sort of situation where any broadcast was broken or like interrupted or anything like that, someone was on site completing because because that's where money starts shifting hands right like i made a sports bet that you know the revolution would have 56 percent possession for the game and like suddenly i didn't hit the right button three times and it's like it's only 53 sorry um so yeah and speaking of sports betting listeners this is my first request i we haven't requested anything except for subscribing which by the way people have been rating us so thank you for that nice but uh i need to understand how i can make a bet that rhode island fc gets the trouble i don't know how to make this bet happen yet i don't know if i have to go to like twin river if i need to find like some really shady turkish online betting site like someone walk me through it teach me how i can make a bet even if it needs to be in like cryptocurrency like you let me know <laughs> i need to figure out how to bet on Royal nfc for the year uh because i so far no one has been helping me whatsoever in that world so please educate me drop any helpful links or um or information our way so we can we can step into that space because I always put money back in the day on my favorite teams, and uh, only only Man City has ever paid out. I have not picked a winner in a very long time. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of an easy bet usually, <laughs> at least in the last 10 years or so. Um, back to those jobs real quick. 
outside of being like an owner, if you could have a job within a club, what would you want to be? Man, this is like the, do you want to work in the sausage factory and then learn how the sausage gets made kind of thing? Uh, listen, okay. If I could known, I would only, I would only do this. I, I, I wouldn't, I, maybe I, I, so my, I, I, maybe I would do communications. So like Thomas, do you need a, do you need an assistant? I don't, but see, like even then, like I appreciate the independence I have from this team and I appreciate the ability to bring objective and unobjective content whenever I want. I, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I don't think I could broadcast, but I wouldn't mind being like the commentary person or the personality, I guess. I, I, but I don't think I could do anything beyond that. I don't, first of all, I don't have the qualifications to do anything beyond what I'm doing now. And some people would argue this isn't even qualifying either, but <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's a great question. Yeah. Would you, what would, would, you, what would you do? Would you be the, you'd be the kit man, right? No. You, you just talk strategy, you like lean in on Kano, but like, Hey, I think uh, Alves needs to play a little more wide. I don't have enough knowledge and, and whatnot from the game to, I think be on that side. I think it might be interesting to, you know, I, I don't know all of the, like details of what you know a quote-unquote soccer operations would be but like to be able to have your kind of hands and all the facets of the way the club is run and know that you have a bunch of specialized people who you can kind of help like run the club in a specific way i think that could be kind of fun so what you're saying is paul Byrne needs to find you an operations role when we get to tidewater paul let us know <laughs> We're interviewing I don't think I'm qualified at all, but you know, that would just be, you know, fun to, to be part of a soccer team in the day to day and be in a position to of power where you can have those people, like I said, who you, you find all the, the right people around you to make sure, cause you know, you don't know what you're doing <laughs> and then you just have them help you guide the club in the direction that, you know, you and everyone else wants. If you could afford it but you had to restart, right? So like if Paul got you a job as like ticketing sales turnstile manager, right? So you were responsible for all the entrance and exit of the stadium and like making sure ticket systems worked and that got you a foot in the door. Would you reset your career and do that? Uh, I don't know. Paul's listening. He's very <laughs> curious with this answer right now. I guess I would have to to do some more research into what some of the the day today and what paul's um, not looking for a fence sitter here he wants an active decision are you going to do this or not <laughs> i don't know <laughs> forever sitting on that fence paul, you know, don't, it's, paul it's a, don't judge him too hardly it's, it's a nice fence. it's comfortable <laughs> <laughs> yeah listen i i would i would the answer to your question if it didn't take away from my ability to do this podcast uh i would i would definitely pursue it or look into something but if if it got in the way from like a conflict of interest perspective, then you know, this I enjoy this too much, and and how we're going to balance this with our fandom, you know, keeping because that's we've we've talked about that right is how do we how do we move forward as professionals as press as media first, but then still enjoy being you know fans like that like that that head physician for the club earlier you know how do how do we commingle our our love and our our responsibility that we've set out to do so. I think it's time. I, I think people don't want to hear about what we'd like to do for this for this club. I think they want to hear about certain scrimmage results. It's so not what your club can do for you. It's what you can do for your club. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the big one, right? <laughs> the most important one that they want to hear about. 
So, according to a Defiance 1636 interaction with a local Brian student, RAFC played a scrimmage against the men's team, and uh, they beat the Bulldogs, with goals coming from Fuson, Amos, and JJ. So they they went three, what, three? I mean, we... we... I mean, it didn't say how many each of them scored, but I'm assuming at least three. <laughs> maybe maybe those, some of them were own goals? I don't know. <laughs> Like J.J. William just stopped and said, no, you score this on yourself right now. Accidents happen, you know? I So, yeah, I, I heard a little bit more about this uh, in details. And uh, the, Bryant, the Bryant team just said that they got, they got bullied off of, off of the pitch, which, which is not to say that they played poorly, but that's the level of difference between professional and collegiate. Uh, so, I, and again, and I said this in the Twitter, which is why the score doesn't really matter. These are moments in time where there is nothing on the line. They are going to prioritize their health above all. This is about gelling and creating match fitness and player awareness to the vision that coach is instructing on the team. We have no idea what these rosters compile. Just because we know who scored goals does not mean we understand. Like For all we know, Amos could have been playing center back. And it was just you know an amazing free kick. Yeah, the important part he is... He didn't play center back, just for <laughs> the record. The important part is to get minutes out there with your team, right? So that you understand, you know, the guy to the left and the right of you or whatever direction, depending on where you're on the field, where it is that they're going to be positionally and where they want to be so that you can make the right passes. And then also defensively to make sure that you're either covering them or they're covering you. Yeah. And I'm sure that they're going to play many more games um, against Bryant since they're literally living in their studio. Well, not rent free, but they're living in their space sleeping on their couch doing all their things and stuff so i these are always fun things to hear but again it's preseason, everyone and i almost have to say that's preface for this other one because that's what everyone has been asking us uh online I, i've gotten more messages about do you know the score do you know what happened for a an alleged alleged game because i don't even think either club has come out and said that there's been a scrimmage even though we have seen pictures that would contradict that but there may or may have not been a game against one Hartford Athletic, uh, our our friends to the east, or friends to the west, I should say. And by the way, speaking of, I'm going to jump real fast on something. They call us that team in the east now. That's their that's their decided moniker for us. We need to get we need to get tougher than that. We're this is this is a this is leading up to a real rivalry. We we can do better than that. So I don't know what they want to call us. I mean, if they want to stick to that team to the east, that's their prerogative. But we need to do something better. So I'm going to call them that less than the best in the West. That's that's what I'm going to call them, at least for the time being, until I can think of something more clever. But uh, yeah, so th- you know, again, neither team has confirmed. We've thrown some sources out there. Not all Rhode Island FC sources, by the way. In fact, full credit for this. We didn't even know the scrimmage was taking place. If it hadn't been for a super fan from the supporter group of Hartford Athletic leaking that there was this potential game uh, coming down, you know, now yesterday, our assumption this entire time was that we knew that Hartford was heading to Florida to the same city that Rhode Island FC was going to be in. And there was that TBD game between uh, Orlando City and the Revs. We checked the Hartford athletic schedule. They didn't have anything listed. So we assumed like, okay, this is this is that game, right? You're completely out of a different state, different area code. It doesn't matter. It doesn't count. And we still, I mean, maybe they're doing a round two. Don't know. 
I would I like the the narrative more that it's Revolution senior team, but I don't think that's happening either. So, but yeah, so they ended up playing a game because we had this working knowledge. We reached out and there was some grumblings about maybe that was or wasn't happening and then lo and behold you know they, they go and have this game so that that is how we have to preface this entire thing it, it's in the spirit of you know allegedly read between the lines we'll share here what we can and what we know is this we know that they traveled to the hartford athletic indoor facility at the day hill dome in windsor connecticut which we saw in the photos if you had paid attention to when they had announced and unveiled the the hartford's um facility like that those those are very distinct colors that you see in the background and so we also know this we know that both teams played 45 minute two 45 minute sessions and in those 45 minute sessions we know that they fielded completely different mixed lineups for both sessions so no player that played in the first half played in the second half and and then most importantly for the people that are 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 looking for this answer we know that rhode island fc won both of the sessions and won like if you want to call it the entire game it's difficult to say they won the game when again this doesn't matter fans this doesn't matter listeners but if it really if you need to hear something they came out as as the winners of both of those groups now what we do know is that hartford actually was much more dangerous in the first half um they were in control of the of the game they were they were looking better on the pitch um it was just the fact that rfc converted the chances they got where uh hartford athletic could not put away their opportunity so to me that was really interesting allegedly (laughs) again allegedly thank you good call legally i have to say allegedly um and then what was what was the, the shift in the paradigm was is that in the second half, uh, RIFC came out dominating the uh, the tempo and the match. And it, they dominated it so much so that Hartford players, uh, again, allegedly started to kind of switch their play into a more physical game and started getting a little bit rougher with the Rhode Island FC players. Uh, so much so that it actually caused a dust-up between the clubs. So I don't know if it was a fight. I don't know if it was just like one of those like you know, put heads to each other and start like, you know, talking about each other's moms. I, I don't I don't know the particulars on it. I just know that something caused the teams to have to stop play and deal with some sort of confrontation that happened there. Um, which, you know, I doesn't surprise me for clubs that are kind of already being forced into this position of this really strong rivalry. But also, it's just it's a it's a friendly, it's a scrimmage. It doesn't count. Nobody really knew what was going on. That I, I don't, was that like I'm curious. I would really want to know the backstory of what triggered an event like that. But whatever the reason that has spawned what happened, it's just adding fuel to the fire of what's going to be a very exciting rivalry and exciting derby. So again mixed lineups we don't know it wasn't like each coach put out their starting 11 or their best 11 they mixed it up who knows like if i was going there and like an art of war kind of thing i would put up the least likely lineup that he would ever my opposing coach would ever see right i would put amos in as a center back um (laughs) so to me like it just it's again we've said it it's about match fitness it's about the team gelling it's about them getting those reps in it's exposing them to actual competition like I, I don't know how you said this before we even did an episode this year 
you didn't care about preseason. Does your mind change at all because now one of the matches was Hartford, or is this just like allegedly? Uh, I mean, good call, good call. <laughs> allegedly, no, but I'm alleged. I'm allegedly glad that it happened, and you know, if there was an actual fight, like it's good to see that maybe there's some tension. The rivalry, maybe RAFC uh, players told them there's only five states in New England, and that got into their craw, you know, and they just. You know, you know pushing what, and shove. <laughs> you know what's surprising? All jokes aside, that two of their players are former athletic players. So I would have thought there would be some sort of cordial, and and there's there's people returning to Hartford that you know are still on that team. You would think that there'd be this you know gentleman's agreement that like, hey, let's just go out there, let's see what we each can do. It's like, it doesn't matter. So again, and I don't know the severity of that. You know, I, I'm calling it a dust up. I, I have no idea. Like, it's, I just, I don't know. I, it doesn't, this doesn't matter. And, and, and I'm glad the clubs didn't really pronounce it. I'm glad that I don't know the scoreline and I don't have to tell you what players scored it. Cause it just doesn't matter. And for anyone that's getting attached or getting really worked up about this conversation right now, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because <laughs> it, if you build too much into this, you know, our first game is most likely going to be an open cup away match and if you start counting now before it matters, it's just it, it's egg on your face at a later date. It doesn't matter, but I think it can be important to set up the rivalry. That's what all you mean, like internally it. from a competition mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. So that when the two teams actually hit the field and it's for real, there's already some experience and you know maybe even some bad blood between the two. So we're gonna get an exciting match. I think that makes Hopefully. sense. Yeah, I mean, if, if these clubs are showing up now, I, I think that's a really good point. And in fact, if I were to have takeaways from the information that's been shared about the the alleged scrimmage, is that one, when when it was it was very important that it was told that two completely separate teams fielded each forty five minutes. Rhode Island FC doesn't have twenty two players, so to do two elevens means they brought some of the collegiate talent along with them. So there still are trialists that are actively trying to secure roles. I mean, I'm I'm still a Lucas Burns fanboy at this point. I think he'll still sign as a, it makes sense if we need a third keeper. But there were four or five others that were were in the mix. So those people either came along or there's even other trialists that we don't know about that showed up to help participate in roles of need, right? Because no matter what the formation was, not every role has a backup to it or or coach was playing people out of position that or coach was playing there you go <laughs> all of, i mean all of the coaches were players at one point right yeah. um but maybe to that point like that's the information that would matter right that's what i want to know i don't care what who scored what i don't care about who won or not i care about like what was the shape of the like what is coach experimenting with right now so that we could kind of get a better understanding of what's going on in his head but we don't know that which is why it doesn't matter but I, I do think it's important that's that's the first part and then i think the other part is to what you said a second ago but like player mentality if there was this frustration on hartford's side i do think it gives like a psychological advantage to the club it doesn't do anything for the fans right like that doesn't that doesn't mean anything now but I do think that it will at least give some sort of we, we'll see you guys again soon edge on, on both sides of the club. Like they're going to show up more prepared, more more diligent in how they're going to attack 
a club like Hartford than maybe how they show up for Monterey Bay, right? Not to say they're not professionals and that they're not going to play to the the level they need to, but but those 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 seeds have now been planted to where stakes are going to be put in place. Matters will come to fruition down the road. So I think if if that's something that you want to take away more than a scoreline, more than an outcome, it's that these two teams have met. And as a result, we will see some interesting fireworks uh, come through two to three, you know, opportunities this season. But anything else that you thought from a, from a scrimmage standpoint? No, we're just going off information about an alleged game. So, you know, like I said, it's I, I'm glad to hear that there was some scuffles. So there's some tension between the, the teams. You know, rivalries can rivalries can be some of the best parts of soccer. Right. So. If there's already some tense kind of feelings between the two teams, this could turn into a heated rivalry. I mean, hopefully we can be one of the most entertaining rivalries in the league. You know, that would be awesome. Yeah. And it helps both clubs. Even even the loser of the club, it just like fires them up for the next appearance, right? So as, as much as I would say I, I don't care about these scrimmages and preseasons, the ones that I'm looking forward to more are actually the Orlando City game. Because it's just, it's more of a calibration against Division One. Again, it doesn't matter, right? We don't know what team gets fielded in the day. But it's just, and I think Connor said it the best, like to, to punch, quote unquote, up to that level and, and you know, show someone like, yeah, we're just as good as you. Stop stop looking down like we're your equals. Yeah, I think that's an exciting narrative. And then I, I like the idea of the revolution too. I mean, they're a lot closer to build a bridge when it comes to geography. And we will always have that revs not spotlight but shadow uh in the back of of people's minds so like knowing how we line up again just again it doesn't matter because it's not a real competition but that's the ones that matter more we won't get to play those clubs in season like we do with with hartford so all of that being said i i hope people don't take what we've shared tonight as a like let's rile up the fan base. We're only sharing it because it's going to get out. We didn't find it through uh, immediate uh, sources. We did have some things confirmed by the club, so that we didn't speak, um, you know, incorrectly or without fact, but uh, alleged fact, alleged fact. Allegedly. Yeah. Um, but but I I just I'm I'm more excited for the season to start now more than ever, and uh, I think from everything we're hearing about the club both from their competitors and and from the from the team itself this just this project is going into high gear and it looks like they're just they're doing everything that they need to do to get ready so we're just really excited for the things to come speaking of the things to come we've got some events big one for this week yeah yeah uh this saturday february 3rd the club has opened up access to the players to come meet and greet the group before heading out down to florida Starting at 12 p.m., fans can come and say hi to the squad, get autographs and pictures with all your favorite players. And I think they're leaving at like one o'clock, right? Because they got to catch the flight. Yeah, they're they're taking the bus to TF Green at one for their flight to Florida. Yep. That's yeah. Correct. So they won't don't be there for long. Yeah, yeah. Don't no, lollygag it. No lollygagging. Make sure you get there on time. And let's see. So the first official unofficial fan meetup has been announced for Defiance. Uh, it's not just defiance though defiance is like hosting it okay so it's hosted by defiance but this is open to rafc fans then in general it's open to everyone 
you may not even be an RIFC fan and you might be going and then you're going to become we're going to baptize 1636 you. <laughs> member by the end like you thought you were just going there for a drink you become a supporter group you're going to get cattle branded <laughs> oh man don't give don't give that group any oh, ideas oh yeah don't give those crazy guys ideas Anyway, so they're going to meet up at the Guild on March 2nd, currently a to-be-determined time. We will let you guys know when we figure out exactly what the time is. Uh, if you'd like to come hang out, meet other fans of the club, get to know more about the supporters group, or just enjoy a brew on a Saturday and talk soccer with some guys and gals, uh, that's the place you're going to want to be. Bermuda broadcasts for the preseason are not looking great at this moment. If they do provide any updates on that, we will let you know. Tentatively mark your calendars for the 24th and 27th of February, though, for those. Yeah, I started a conversation with the Bermuda FA, and they started good, and then I kept asking questions, and it was, we'll get back to you, and now it's been radio silent. So I, I tried to talk back to the club and say, hey, like, what, have you heard anything? And uh, they said it's, it's completely in Bermuda's hands. So we're either probably going to get this very last minute so brace yourselves or we won't get it at all but uh so just be prepared for that and uh, we still may have to wait for our first actual game to be able to be seen for the inaugural so maybe like five minutes before some guy's gonna live stream in on apple phone or something <laughs> you see it like 65 minutes in the hands just getting shaky because he's been holding it perfectly still for the entire game uh, so we're gonna have to mail a tripod to <laughs> anyway <laughs> And uh, before heading to Bermuda, as a reminder, the clubs are going to be heading to the IMG Academy in Florida to take on MLS side Orlando City SC, as well as the New England Revolution 2. It's some additional scrimmages before concluding their preseason lineup with New England Revs 2 again and finally Providence College. Yeah, so we're hoping to get access to the games when they come back from Bermuda um, to just, again, kind of do what we did tonight, talk about how the club showed up, less about the formation, less about the score, because those things don't matter, Just but just to kind of give people you know, a sense of the direction that Coach is, is taking the team. Uh, so more to come. We're hoping to anticipate access to those. We'll, we'll keep everyone posted. Um, and then just something that I want to ask listeners as we start to prepare for real game coverage is what apps are you using to follow the performance of, of teams in the USL? We've heard some some great ones out there, um, but I always like to learn and understand any forms of data that come about. So if you've got one that you recommend, feel free to reply in the post that, that launched the, the show for this week on social media or reach out uh, from the website and just leave us a comment there. Uh, but anything that will help us give more accurate or better in-depth analysis, uh, because it seems it's a little bit more sparse than, you know, other leagues that get covered from, from an analytics and data perspective. And if there's one that we have to pay for to get access to, like that's not uh, outside of our, our concern. Like we'll, we'll definitely, you know, pursue any path that, that makes us better forecasters and better uh broadcasters of of the club so let us know when uh and we'll love you guys even more for that kind of stuff yep and let's wrap this up here with a listener question uh dave here he says hey guys great podcast oh, thank you dave been listening every week since the first episode have a question on how the refreshment slash restroom situation is going to be set up this season at burn stadium 
given there's going to be a lot more people attending RAFC games than what they usually get for Bryant games. Is it going to be a bunch of food trucks, outhouses outside? And if so, any insight on the vendors who are going to be? Or are they just playing to leave things as is? Yeah, I can take this one. So definitely um, there is a plan in place. There's a couple of renderings on the site about the Bryant Stadium, if you haven't seen those. Um, And they do kind of show this like open food truck court pavilion area that will be off to the side. Uh, For those of you that have never been to Bern in general, there's really only one restroom set uh, at the stadium currently, which is built into the infrastructure underneath the bleachers. Uh, as well as like a snack shack that sits off to the side. Um, I imagine that they, I don't know if they'll make the facilities available in the gym room that that sits behind the goal. But having said that, what we do know so far is is that that was one of Paul Byrne, who's the general manager of stadium operations. That was one of his major uh, concerns when we last talked to him back in, what was that, October, September? Uh, he, he was very focused on facilities and, and, and whatnot for that space. So I would anticipate we're not probably going to bring in any permanent structures, but I think there will probably be a mix of, you know, there will be porta potties, let's get honest. Uh, but then there will probably also be like those like luxury porta potty trailers that usually get brought out. I can't imagine that they would under deliver on that. Paul, and, and I can't wait to have him on the podcast, but Paul has an extensive pedigree in stadium operations. So there's no way like he would miss something like that. Um, But then when it comes to the food services itself, it will be exclusively food truck or what I'll say food tent. We'll get more particulars when we get the interview with him, but uh, there's only one little snack shack that throws out, uh, that throws out hot dogs and like pretzels out of it. And I don't even know if we'll use that because I just, I don't know how that serves the uh the infrastructure and then i imagine there's gonna be beer carts i saw there's this like party event thing i i had seen it in the earliest renderings but they have it kind of finalized now there's this whole party package area that has like dedicated a dedicated beer cart and cocktail cart and you bring it for like 30 people like you have to have 30 people to attend it it's not you show up and hang out with people you have it's it's your entire space to have and then in speaking with that i did see a social post recently where uh, there's a mixology school in the state that will be, it has been selected for contracting all of the alcohol and beverage serving for the stadium, both at Bryant and then uh, the Tidewater event. So that's already been set up. So that stuff will make, they'll be putting that in place uh, guaranteed. And if you're asking that question specifically around, like, do you have a favorite food truck or do you know someone that's trying to get in? Uh, we do know there is a, there's a GM for food and beverage operations. We we know who that contact is, and this goes out for anyone, not just Dave. But if you're looking to get that information, DM us, and we'll share uh, those details, those contact details. We don't want to burn that person and get them 65, you know, million emails about why Haven Brothers needs to have a permanent truck location, you know, on site for the games or something like that. So happy to assist uh, where we can. But there will be a lot more to unpack about the stadium. That'll probably be one of the most important interviews we do coming up to the uh, first kickoff because I know there's a lot, like we still get a lot of tailgate questions, parking questions. Um, so that is all on our radar. We've already talked with the club and made it clear that we, we'd love to understand that and be able to be a voice for the fans. So more to come on that, but, but really good question. 
So, I mean, that's it. You know, there's a couple last things that we got we to gotta housekeep on. Uh, I can tell you that if listeners are fans of The Revolution, we'll be jumping on the legendary podcast, Revolution Recap, here in the near future to share progress on the ever-developing RAFC landscape. And then, you know, if you're not already following them, I don't, and you like the Revs, I don't know what you're doing, you're missing out. And then also we'll be on one of the USL... Uh, all league shows uh, called the usl way next week so uh, if you want to hear us in more places than just here feel free to tune into those when those episodes drop all right time to shut it down you can follow us on twitter threads and tiktok at rafc podcast instagram at raising anchor and we have one of those websites www.raisinganchorpodcast.com remember when we thought this was only gonna be like a 45 minute episode I mean, the ability for us to talk and talk and talk is, it's nonstop. Can't stop, won't stop. (gasps) Anchors up. Anchors up.